You're about to listen to Grace Pills by Reverend Josh Lai, lead pastor at Caris Center International. Reverend Josh Lai is a preacher of the gospel of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Be blessed as you listen. Father, in the name of Jesus, I say thank you. Our trust is in you. We lean not on our own understanding. Thank you for the power of your word that will be divided accurately. We see transformed lives. We see fruit-bearing lives. Jesus, be glorified we be edified in Jesus name Amen well last week I started one of the series regarding the Jesus culture excellence excellence For those of you who don't actually have an understanding to what we are talking about, we are talking about how the Christian lives after they are born again. As after they have met the Lord Jesus, there is a life. You know that culture is a way of life. So there is a way of life they are expected to live. And they don't do this by their effort. They do this because they have been equipped and empowered by the Holy Spirit who is at work in them or in us to do so. Alright. So we actually have got into excellence which is one of the ways of life of the believer. Now last week we looked at the meaning in the Hebrew which is adair. And we said that it actually means great and honorable. So it looked at the first instance where the word was used in Psalm 8. Where he says, oh Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. So the first time the word was used, it was used to bring out the manifestation of God's glory regarding his mighty works. If you look at other translations, they say, how majestic is your name? In other words, everything God does is majestic in nature. That's actually the word excellent. We also looked at it in the Greek, which is diaphoros, which means varying, excellent, difference. And it actually also emphasizes consistency. So what it means is that when a person lives the Christian life, they will see the majesty of God in their lives. And they will see radiance. They will see a difference in the life of the person. And that difference is not a nine-day wonder, but it is very consistent. They grow in grace one day 
at a time, revealing the very nature of God in them. Praise the Lord. We realize that as the word was used for the first time referring to what God does, that is majestic, when you come into the New Testament, you realize that it actually speaks to the character of the believer who is standing out. Okay, and we saw it as well in Daniel, who actually was referred to as the one who was an excellent spirit because Daniel was revealing the very character of God. You remember the king actually said that the, the God lives inside of you. The spirit of the gods are in you because Nebuchadnezzar only knew that God. So he, for him, felt that these gods were living in Daniel for him to exhibit that kind of character which is excellent. Timothy used it. Titus also used it. As a matter of fact, Jesus was referred to as the one with the excellent name, the majestic name, and then also was referred to in Hebrews as the one who was, had an excellent ministry. So when a person is excellent in nature and in a way of life, you will see an excellent ministry definitely in their lives. Timothy, as a matter of fact, came to speak to that and, and, and wants to show us how that is revealed in the person. He says we have to exercise our spirit unto godliness. So you exercise yourself unto godliness. So he said that we shouldn't waste our time on foolish ideas and arguments and myths and legends but we should actually spend time and energy exercising ourselves in the spirit and making sure like just like the young man who wants to lift weights to show their, their, their fleshly muscles, we should do so to show our weightier muscles in the things of the spirit. So as the young man goes to gym and he lifts up the weight and everybody will see that they are very strong, you also do that by the spirit and in the spirit you will stay strong. What does this lead to? It would definitely lead to you always giving yourself to the things of God, growing in the things of God, being sensitive to the things of God, and doing things the way God wants you to do them. You see Christianity as a devotion. It actually definitely will lead to you being deep in your conviction. You see, one, one of the things that make, made you born again is that you were convicted by the Holy Spirit. So as you grow yourself in the things of the Spirit, what happens is that your conviction of your faith in Christ Jesus is deepened. You know, and when that continuously deepened, what it leads to is that you're always conscious about Christ. And everything that you're doing, you're thinking about Christ. He becomes your focus in life. So that anything that you put your hands to do, you have that consciousness so strong that becomes your reality. And the moment that becomes your reality, you live that life of consecration because you live like Christ and then you are committed to the things of Christ. Right, so it makes you very devoted to Christ. Now, if you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 to 27 in the King James Version, you would realize that Apostle Paul also speaks to that once again. And he speaks to the Corinthian church regarding their service and their devotion to the things of God. And he used himself as a personal example as to how he exercises his spirit unto godliness over his body. 
okay let's read as we all can see projected do you not know that those who run in a race all run but one receives the prize run in such a way that you may obtain it and everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things oh wow and now they do it to obtain a perishable crown but for we for an imperishable crown therefore i run thus not with uncertainty thus i fight not as one who beats the air but i discipline my body and bring it into subjection lest when i have preached to others i myself become disqualified so apostle paul clearly here states he illustrated the christian journey to an athlete in a race and he says that just like an athlete will prepare themselves and give themselves to exercise so that they can be very fit to be able to run the race for which they have to win because that's their objective in the same way the Christian also exercises their spirit to make sure that they win in their Christian journey. In other words, they want to please God with their lives and to do with their lives the things of God. Now, he says that I don't do this with uncertainty. What he means is that there's concentration and there's focus. So what he means is that he knows that he has been saved already. And because he has been saved already, this is the way of life for him. And that's the life he lives. And so we don't say that, okay, we have been saved. And therefore, if we don't do well, then it means that we lose our salvation. And that actually is the way people interpret this verse. For most of them, the word disqualified or the word in the um, and New King James and other verse, uh, versions, it says cast away, cast away. They, they feel that it means that Paul says um, then he's unsaved. It means that God will cast him away and um, he's not saved anymore. But that is not what Apostle Paul is trying to tell us. What he's trying to say is that he has been saved. And he runs the race with that focus of the salvation that is the gift of God that has been given to him. And what he needs to show is the results of that salvation in his Christian journey. So what God has graced him and empowered and equipped him to do is to be able to run this race, not with his effort. And so because God has equipped him already, he's able to do this and do this well to the glory of God. Amen. Now, in making sure you have this understanding, if you're not careful, the moment you, you falter or you do something wrong, you will think that, oh, you are not saved anymore. It's a lie of the enemy. 
and that's exactly why you must actually deepen your conviction and you exercise your spirit because the moment you don't have this understanding you'll be flip and flippy floppy in your christian faith you see and you'll be living in guilt and self-condemnation and many believers do that because they don't actually have an understanding to scripture the way they must okay it's the same way in philippians chapter 2 verse 12 and 13 you can realize carefully when they say that he said wherefore my beloved as you have always obeyed not as in my presence but now much more in your absence work out your own salvation with fear and trembling so so people say that you need to work out your salvation and if you don't work it out you will lose it so what it means is that you are with that effort working out your salvation with fear and trembling so much so because you know that one of these days if you are not careful you will lose it and that's not exactly what he's trying to say because if you look at the 13 the verse 13 then negates everything that he said if that was the meaning verse 13 says for it is god who worketh in you both to will and also to do so in your willingness to do what god wants you to do and in your ability to do what god wants you to do he says it is god who is at work in you okay so that's not the meaning of this i have several of them that i know people look at them and they misinterpret to think that it is the law we have to work out our salvation no you cannot work it out because it's a gift and if he gives it to you what he means is that he does not take it away again it's a gift it's a gift it's a gift many people say this regarding our salvation they say that it's past it's present and then it's future others also call it in another way but it's the same thing they are trying to cap what they're trying to say is that it is positional progressive or permanent okay so the past is for the positional the present is for the progressive and then the future is for the permanent now what it means is so simple very 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 simple what it is is that we got saved we got saved so christ saved us and gave us the gift of salvation by that same gift we didn't do anything and we, we he gave us the gift of righteousness we are justified before god and we have peace with god what it means is that you can access god anytime because god lives in you he's indwelt in you you are a new creature nobody can change that nobody can take that away god has given you salvation and your salvation is forever in john 10 38 or so it says clearly that he will never pluck anybody out of his hands who he has saved you see so god is so personal with you that you have no idea he has a crush on you and nobody can take that away okay but you'd also realize that in that past tense we also have a work to do what is the work to do the work to do is not to work out your salvation but then to show the results that the holy spirit is working in you when he got you born again so you see you are complete in what he made you but the manifestation of it is in a process so you see you are complete you are perfect in him but then the manifestation of that perfection is in process okay so he says for example in ephesians chapter um, 4 
verse 12 to 13. He that descended is the same also that ascended far above all heavens, that he might feel all things. And he gave some apostles, gave some prophets, and some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints. So you see what he says, for the perfecting of the saints. So in the manifestation of the perfect gift, there are pastors who are teachers evangelists apostles and prophets who are to help us by the word of god to bring out this perfect spirit into manifestation praise god okay yes so they they help us by the word to show it forth as they teach us and we grow in the word, everybody sees us and they see God at work in us and they see God in mobility. Praise God. Because the moment they see you and the way you behave and what you do, that you show the fruit of the spirit just like they saw Christ on earth. Hallelujah. Okay. And look at what he says in the 13. He says... For the perfecting of the saints and for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man. Unto a perfect man. Unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Hallelujah. Okay. He actually mentioned the future tense even right here. Unto a perfect word, man. That is when we die. But then death is not our state, but our transition. And then we have the glorified body. So that is what actually is referred to as the future tense of salvation or permanent salvation. It doesn't mean that your salvation as of now is not permanent. No. But then the state of it then will become permanent with regards to even how you appear. Are you getting the point? That is, you have a glorified word, body. Okay. So you see, what Apostle Paul was trying to say has nothing to do with disqualification of faith. It has to do with disqualification of relevance. In other words, he becomes unfit for the work of ministry. He becomes unfit as an example to show Christ. Okay, so when we talk about consecration in the Christian faith, we are not talking about somebody who is more holier. No. No. We have all been set apart. That is the word holy. But consecration is that you have this trumpet that was bought. And that was bought, that was shining in its perfect glory. And then it becomes dull. And then you pick up the foam. And then there's this nutrient you use. And you begin to clean it and it comes back to its perfect state. It, that's called consecration. So you see, because human beings are made of the flesh and the perfect lives in us, we easily lose consciousness of the spirit. So we keep to, we, <laughs> we need to remind ourselves of who we are and then come back 
to the very nature for which we have been born. Praise God. No, is it clear? So that you will become exactly like how you were made perfect. The manifestation of it shall show just like it must be. Okay, and that's why you exercise the spirit. So Apostle Paul is saying that I beat my body. I discipline my body. And I do that so that I can receive the things of the spirit. And walk like what I have been bought and made to do. Praise God. I will be fit for the work of the ministry. And then I will have eternal rewards. If you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 13 to 14. Apostle Paul says this. He says, every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it. Because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he had built thereupon. He says he shall receive a reward. So he's talking about the works of the spirit. And this one, God will give us rewards on them. It means that God is judging how we do this work. How we show forth the manifestation of the glory that he has revealed in his children. And he's going to give us great rewards on how we do this work to the glory of his name. Hallelujah. Amen. Alright. So, what is Apostle Paul saying? All he's saying is simple. That he exercises his spirit over his body and continually reminds himself that he is of God. He has been called of God and there's ministry ahead of him. There's people he must bring to God and his life must depict that so that the gospel's declaration does not become deficient. When we don't live the way God wants us to live, it affects the gospel. Praise God. Okay? So it's very important. Look at another verse in the Bible for which Apostle Paul also speaks still. And this is one verse also that creates a lot of controversy. Anytime people read Galatians chapter 6 verse 78, they actually call it the law of karma. In other words, God is angry with you and he's waiting to punish you for the wrongs that you are doing as a believer. He actually wants to kill you and take you out. So he says, I mean, and when you see pastors preaching this, we preach it with venom. Yes, with a kind of hatred, you know, uh, because maybe there's one member or two that are really, really getting on your nerves. And so you use it and you, you really want to hit them. That's not exactly what the verse wants to say. No, not at all. Look at it. He says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption but he that soweth to the spirit shall of the spirit reap everlasting life now if you go to Genesis when God was creating there was this law that God put in there it is called the law of Genesis he says that for everything that God made it will give birth to its kind Now, that is the law. So, Paul is actually quoting Genesis. 
That is the law that Paul is quoting right here. What Paul is trying to say is simple. That anybody that gives themselves to the flesh will also reap of the flesh. The decay there actually means, is the word thoran. It's P-H-T-H-O-R-A-N. But you don't mention the P-H. And I'm sure the Evers have names like that. So you, you mentioned the Thoran. Thoran. Okay. It means things that are destined to perish with use. Uh -huh. Things that are destined to perish with things that wear and tear. That's the decay. That's the corruption. That is talking about. So what it means is that when you give your things yourself to natural things that perish, you will reap natural things that would perish. But when you also give yourself to the spirit, you will reap spiritual things that don't perish. <laughs> that's it. That's all he wants to say. That's all. Look at how um, the TLB, I always like the TLB. Look at how the TLB explains it. The TLB says, don't be misled. Remember that you can't ignore God and get away with it. So what it is is that you, you can uh, do, just do the things of the flesh and then expect to reap the things of the word spirit it's not, it's not possible uh-huh it's not possible look at what he says a man will always reap just the kind of crop he sows okay he says if he sows to please his own wrong desires he will get the harvest of that <laughs> it's as simple as that okay good he will get the harvest of that. Okay? He said he will be planting seeds of what? Evil. And he will surely reap a harvest of what? Spiritual decay. Things that are destined to what? Perish. That's the meaning. That will lead to what? Death. Okay? But if he plants the good things of the spirit, he will reap the everlasting life that the Holy Spirit gives praise god okay so it's so simple it's so simple and that's exactly why we exercise our spirit so that as we exercise our spirit we are going to reap the good things of the spirit that leads to everlasting life everlasting life okay so when we talk about excellence we are talking about the one who has actually exercised their spirit over their flesh so much so that they are reaping the wonderful things that the holy spirit gives that leads to everlasting life that shows the beauty the graciousness the majesty and the glory of god hallelujah Thank you for listening to Grace Bills by Reverend Josh Lai, Lead Pastor, Caris Center International. We believe the Word has begun a good work in you. May God's amazing grace lead you to a peaceful and joy-filled life. Caris Center International, living heaven on earth. Come.